Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. Today, I've got a very special guest with me. My name's Coach Yas, and my guest today is JP Nurburn. How are you doing? How are you doing, JP? Ah, good man. It's good to be here with you. Like, quite, you know, I'm very pleased to have you here, man. Hopefully, you're gonna have a fascinating conversation. I'm sure we will. JP, just to kind of get us started, um, before we get you know real into the hot stuff, if you like, would you mind just sharing for the listeners who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you got to in brief? Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, I was from the states, born in uh, South Carolina. Uh, basketball was my my sport. It was my game. I was kind of into, and was fortunate to play at a high level you know, division one basketball in the States. So that was, you know, uh, as a walk on, uh, and then I ended up coaching in Ireland and a long story that I won't share today, but I ended up coaching in Ireland for five, six years, moved back to the States, kind of been back and forth over. Um, and now I'm back in Ireland here and, and it's obviously it's last two years. So, but I, I work with teams primarily on culture and, and, I don't necessarily really work with teams actually better. I work with the coaches directly usually, you know, uh, and helping them to support their teams and to develop the culture that they want to build. And so that really requires me working with them on their leadership and, and um, helping to troubleshoot shoot different solutions to, to their problems and their context. Awesome. So JP, and obviously you, you talked there about, you know, you work with teams and cult and their culture just out of curiosity what what kind of teams you work with you know just is it single sport multi-sport is it corporate world as well and maybe just give a bit more insight around that yeah so um primarily sports teams uh, everything from division one uh, level in the states to, uh division two and three as well as mm-hmm. well as some high level high school programs um uh, basketball would be probably my number one sport uh, for sure but i also work with uh, hockey hockey teams hockey academy in canada um, I work with uh, soccer. I've worked with American football. Uh, worked with a, a coach at University of Minnesota. Worked with other high school and other uh, Division three college football coaches as well. Uh, American football, that is. Um, so yeah, I've I've it's it's a lot of different sports out there. Primarily basketball, and um, I've, I have a few clients as well. Uh, CEO of an agricultural company in Canada as well as a manufacturing company out in, um, in Utah. So I've worked with doctors, worked with a surgeon uh, for, for a year as well too, just on his own leadership and his team. So it's kind of all over the place there because the principles, the strategies, uh, mm. while they can be applied to everyone in different context, um, you know, there's, there's some common threads there when it comes to team building and, and culture. 100%. No, I totally agree with you on that. So maybe just to start us off then, you know, maybe talk a little bit about what some of those key principles are, the ones that cross over it to start with, and then maybe we can delve deeper into the sport aspect of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that the foundational level is just first off how we view others as leaders, you know, and it's just making sure that we're seeing people as people. Uh, a lot of times people can might even reach out because they want to improve their culture because they want to fix problems, inconveniences. They want to improve performance. So they can get results to um, validate themselves, you know, and they're on this kind of this path. And if we're only looking for changes of strategies to fix others and to change others, then we're really kind of using, using others. And so we kind of fall into some, what I would call transactional types of leadership. So what we really want to be focused on is, is first off, how do we see other people? And, and that's one of the first things I always do. So that's a common thread, you know, and it can be for a college division one coach that uh, wants to improve their career, wants to have a stable job. It's also the truth for the, the doctor, the surgeon, you know, mm. um, who wants to have a great record, you know, but so we can easily fall into these things uh, where we see people uh, as objects, not, not as people. And the other thing after that is really, uh, are we investing in ourselves as a leader and in certain things that could be certain habits and disciplines around reading, um, asking for feedback to, you know, and creating an environment where people can give us feedback. It could be journaling, meditation, mindfulness, uh, just spending time in solitude and thought, but just making sure that we're, we're living a life, uh, that's going to continuously help to kind of keep our cup full so that we can be at our best for the people. Uh, and then kind of after that, it's really comes down to kind of a, uh, we really talk about a systematic way of building culture and influencing your culture. And that comes to through three primary phases. Uh, one is to establish the standards and relationships. How do you, how do you build those connections? Also, how do you empower people to, I are important to them processes that are going to help deliver the results they want. And then there's a support the culture where you're going to come in there, you're going to agree upon ways that you can, when you start to fall below those lines, you know, to to stand or start to slip, relationships start to struggle, you know, the storms start to come, that you're going to be not just the accountability piece, policing come in there, but you're really just going to focus more on solutions. So we try to talk about support before accountability, because so often we don't need to be held accountable. We just need people to come in there and support us to help us, you know, discover new solutions to some of our obstacles and problems. And then lastly, it's about enforcing and reinforcing that culture. The things that are working, we need to reinforce those things. The things that aren't working or we're dropping below the lines, we need to come in there and make sure we're enforcing those standards in a way that is aligning uh, and res- with our vision and is respectful uh, to, the, to the human being. And I, I just actually speaking, a couple of key words just kind of really um, come to mind as, you, as you're going through that. First was really it's awareness um, and that piece that you mentioned earlier about gratitude. Would you mind maybe just sharing a little bit about how important that gratitude piece is? I mean, obviously we are um, in that context and the awareness piece, you know, I, I often say to my players when I'm working with them, um, it's great to be, you know, successful if you like it's great to be able to be able to you know score goals and whatnot but when you're faced with a challenge half the challenge is solved by just understanding what the obstacle is in front of you and if you're not aware of the, what you, the context you're in or what the actual problem is then you're never going to get there but if you are halfway there we're even if we don't have a solution yet we are halfway there if that makes sense yeah no it does i, I mean i think it's it's awareness of maybe our first off ourself and of the things that are potential limiters for us, things that might be holding us back, obstacles that we're facing. It's also awareness for others and trying to help others to develop an awareness of the obstacles, you know, like, and, and focus on solutions. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, that type of awareness is, is really critical if we want to be an advocate, you know, someone that's really supporting the growth of other people um, but also really trying to move move our own lives forward. 
Mm. And just to, just to kind of build on that, then you talk a lot about leadership and you know having a, almost a transformational uh, type of leadership there, where it's almost yeah, it's just like here's what it says in the name. You know, it helps it is to kind of develop it, help it grow, maybe, and you know evolve it. So, what what are some of the key things that you think are you know factors that or variables to consider when we're now actually stepping into a new environment, possibly? Um, and how soon should we kind of maybe look at making any change or, or, or putting our stamp on it, if you like. Yeah, so if you walk into a new environment, uh, there can be the desire to kind of come in there and correct, to change, to make a stamp, to make a big statement. Uh, but I think it first comes down to building relationships. And so the ways that build relationships is start to come in there and be curious, to be curious and ask great questions. Questions like, you know, for the people that are already existing in that culture, what do, you, what do you enjoy about this place? What's working? You know, what don't you enjoy? What's not working? You know, and, and, and what are some suggestions you have for fixing things? If you were in my position, what would you do to change things? And so these type of questions show curiosity uh, about the person, their experience, but also their empowering questions that help them to make suggestions to, that, that can help you troubleshoot solutions. Yeah. And uh, if we can do that, you know, th- th- some of those questions are, you know, uh, I, I've, I've taken from, um, Captain Mike Abershoff, who took, he was a great story. Uh, Abershoff took over the USS Benfold in 2001, which was the second or pretty much the worst ship in the US Navy. And uh, within one year, um, he took it to the best ship in the US Navy. Um, and it was off the charts. It had a 20% retention rate before he took it over. By the end, it was a 100% retention rate. Uh, it's one of the best ships. And he did it first uh, in the first month. He met with over 358 sailors and he said, what, what do you enjoy about this, this ship? What don't you enjoy? And if you were the captain, what would you change? And he had conversations and built relationships and he empowered them. The people on the ground, that your players, you know, whoever, the, the, the team members in your organization, they have ideas, they have solutions. They may not all be perfect, uh, but they're probably better than what you would come up with yourself having not been there. But when you build the relationships, then you can also to enforce uh, boundaries and standards and you can raise standards. But so often people want to do that uh, without building the relationship and you've got to build that relationship first. Uh, definitely. And, you know, it's interesting you, you say that because, um, you know, in one of my roles, you know, I work as a coach educator. So I kind of support some of the grassroots coaches in, you know, in their, in the early stages of their coach education pathway, if you like. And some of the questions I often ask them, you know, is it, it's all well and good you being, you know, being the coach and wanting to kind of, I guess, dictate the environment. However, it might not work for your players specifically. Mm-hmm. And even beyond that, you know, how often have you, have you been in a situation where you've actually asked your players what works for them, why they're there, what they're hoping yeah. to gain from the environment? Or even, even, even more importantly, have you ever asked your players how they would like to be coached? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those questions. I think that it's often challenging to ask those questions of players because nobody's ever even asked them. Mm. And sometimes when you get, you ask those questions, you'll get like, what, you know, and they don't have necessarily the right answer. Mm. Um, But it's really empowering to still ask them, you know, and sometimes you'll get coaches, players that will tell the coach, I want you to coach me really hard. I want you to be tough on me, tough on me because they actually don't know any better. You know, and so I think sometimes when we're asking those questions, we have to come in there, we have to listen, and we have to understand why. Why is this the answer they're giving me? Why is this what the type of coaching they need? You know, I need you to be hard on me. I need to be tough on me. Well, why do you need that? Why is it important? You know, what happens after you finish playing for me? You know, you move on to the next program, or you move on to life. 
You know, are people going to yell at you? Are they going to scream at you? Are they going to be on your case every second you're not working hard? Is that type of individual you want to be? Mm-hmm. So I think as you move that relationship forward, you start to ask more probing questions that not only help you to learn about that person, curious questions, but help them discover things about themselves, discover, th- you know, who they want to be, uh, what they want to achieve and where they are in that process, where they are in that journey of achieving that. And if there's some things that don't match up, things they need to change. So they're very empowering things. Mm. Um, when you start to ask those curious questions that help them to discover and help them to a greater awareness, uh, that's really, really motivating for them intrinsically. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Cause you know, I think the challenge is with a lot of people um, and not just athletes is sometimes when asked that type of question, we automatically feel like, well, the, the natural instinct, you know, because of maybe societal factors, in, in fact, is, are they trying to catch me out here? Mm. You know, they're asking me how I want to be coached. Why is he asking me that? Isn't he the coach or isn't she the coach? Why are they asking me, you know, or if it's ever a thing where maybe they've done something positive and you stop and ask them a question, well, why did you do that? Straight away, because you've asked a question, it's almost, right, what did I do wrong? As opposed to, oh, I did that and just go with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, some people will be really open to the re- relationship that you want to try to build with them. Other players will be resistant to that relationship and they will be skeptical of that. And that's going to take time and it's going to be a little bit more of a walk, you know, and, and some people are going to want you to be their mentor, their friend, you know, connect with them, help them grow in life. And others are going to be like, just coach me this, just teach me how to kick the ball, just yeah. show me how to shoot the, the bat, you know, the, the ball, you know, like whatever it is. So, there's people going to be at different levels. So I think it's important that uh, we meet people where they're at. I think that's, that's, that's a huge aspect of it. No, hundred percent. So kind of, you know, just touching on a word that you used earlier, and I think it's really important here is culture. So you mind just maybe from your perspective, just describing what you, what you identify culture to be and how we go about setting one, if or even, you know, if we can go into some environments where, there, where there's a longstanding culture and there's a, a reluctance to change and, adapt and you know move with the times if you like yeah you know i've heard it be defined culture is like how things are done here i don't I, you know um i think it's how things are done why they're done the way that they're done you know what's the driving behind that it's it's kind of complex but the ideal culture that we're really trying to build at least the one that i'm working with coaches on we call a transformational culture and that that bottom line is the number one standard of a transformational culture is you can't be a part of that culture and not become a better person. You can't not become better. You're part of this team. You're part of this experience. We all we all learn. We all grow. The other success factors of a transformational culture is not just growth, but it's a positive, meaningful experience. You know, it's just someone that people enjoy being a part of, um, regardless of the outcomes. And then the other thing I would say is just really strong relationships. You know, like those are success factors. But when I like to kind of paint the picture of the, the transformational culture uh, on my X axis is uh, the relationships, the, the strength of your relationships. And on my Y axis is the standards, um, how high or how low those standards are. And I think when it comes to culture, it, it, you can only go so far of pushing the standards and making that intrinsically driven. If you don't with, 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 with limited relationships. So you have to invest in relationships, but relationships only go so far if you're not really raising the standard as well. Like if, if I'm, you know, coaching you or I'm leading you or, you know, we're even friends, like I'm not really your friend 
a good friend, if I don't actually have expectations of you that are, you know, calling you up to be better, you know, if I allow you to, to be self-destructive, if I allow you to just show up and not work hard on my team, then I'm really not being a good coach. I'm not being, you know, so you have to continuously invest in relationships and then you have to continuously invest in those standards. As you raise the standards and strengthen relationships, your culture starts to thrive. Nice, some great points there. I think, you know, you talked there about that investing in the relationship. So I'm just thinking about some of the challenges that might exist in, you know, in, in the context of a, of a sports team. And, you know, one, one of them, especially at the elite level, um, you're looking at potentially where coaches or managers, uh, you know, head coaches, there's been a change of regime, if you like. Uh, you know, someone's been, you know, been moved on and now a new coach has come in and some of the old, you know, some of the players are there or the athletes are there and maybe stuck in their ways a little bit because of the loyalties to the previous manager. You know, what would your advice be to maybe coaches or, you know, people going into those sorts of situations and looking to maybe break down this barrier? Because obviously it's not as simple as go in and just have a cookie cutter fit for everyone. Yeah, I think this comes back to a little bit of our mindset. You know, we talked earlier about mindset of seeing people as people. So you just have to understand where those people are at and see where they're coming from. So you're coming with genuine like curiosity mm. of, of, and you're understanding their situation and why they might think that way and why they may feel that way. Once you've been able to empathize with that, that's really, really helpful in you being able to reframe behavior problems. Mm. So behavior problems, unacceptable behaviors, uh, misbehavior, mistakes, whatever we want to call it. I prefer to call them actually mistakes because you know, like in sports, we see mistakes. We're supposed to see mistakes as great opportunities to learn from the mistake. That's how you improve your skills. Well, I think it's the same with character. I think when a player fails to work hard, when they fail to have a good attitude, when they fail to be a good teammate, you know, when they're struggling with things within their own character, their own self-control, their own self-discipline, that isn't a problem. It's our, pro our problem is the way we look at that. Mm. Our problem is thinking that it's a problem. That is who they are. That's where they are. We all have areas that we can grow. Stop seeing it as a problem. Start seeing it as an opportunity. Okay, now when I start to see it as an opportunity, I'm gonna get less upset. I'm not gonna take it personal when a player loses their control. I'm not gonna take it personal when a player shows up behavior. It's where they are at. But now how can we help them? How can we help them to grow through that experience? And so- you know, the mindset is once again, to start moving away from punishment, stop, start moving away from a lot of correction and criticism and start using more questions to get them to focus on who they want to be. Is that the type of player they want to be? Is that what's going to lead them to success? Okay. No. What is keeping you from making this improvement? What's pulling you back? What is the obstacle? Okay. How can I help you remove that obstacle? Mm. Yeah, kind of, kind of run about, run about where it goes back to what I was saying around how do they want to be coached, and it's having that you know giving giving them opportunity to kind of maybe share their clarity and understanding of yeah their awareness of the situation they're in if you like, um, and obviously from that you know maybe you know is it important for you then in, you know to get the players to, or the athletes to understand the way out because you know quite often I look at myself and I say like the way I coach I ask a lot of questions. Um, I tried to be as as open as possible. I try to I try not to be too directive with them. Um, you know, I almost believe in this idea that they've got the answers if I ask them the right questions, um, and then eventually we'll, we'll get there. And yes, it can be a bit of a long-winded process at times. However, I do find that when we do get there, 
Um, I don't find myself having to do as much interaction with them beyond that. After that, and after a certain point, it just becomes about refining and polishing things up rather than actually going to the depth and, you know, focus on specific elements, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of, you know, sometimes even leading them to certain things, you know, and sometimes we do have the solutions, but if we can help them to discover it rather than give it to them, or we can get to them to a place where they say, gosh, I I need to make a change, mm. but I need help, you know, that they're either asking us the question then, okay, well, what do you think? You know, well, have you tried this? Would this help? You know, whatever it be, you know, as in their uh, and their struggle because the culture comes down to behaviors, you know, and, and those behaviors and the relationships can be really, really helpful in, in that behavior change, you know, how you improve, how you do things for sure. So you know, JP, you know, just kind of build on that, then, you know, <laughs> we talked a bit about leadership, talked a little bit about culture. How do we ensure that, you know, beyond, beyond everything that, you know, we go into an environment and when we kind of, come into contact with people that, you know, we leave that lasting impact, you know, cause obviously, you know, the part of that transactional, uh, oh, sorry, transformational leadership is about developing people, helping people, you know, have a sense of fulfillment and achievement and growth, if you like. How important is it to kind of ensure that that, that, goal, that goal of theirs is also in alignment with ours? Cause many a time, you know, you, you see coaches put the team's goals above the players, and the feelings and the thoughts and the, you know, the, the, I guess, yeah, the personal circumstance of the players, but, but when it comes the other way around, especially at the top and elite, elite level, that can be quite damning in terms of producing results for the manager or the head coach or whoever that may be. Yeah. Well, I get, what's your question here? I guess, you know, I, I yeah, it's just how do you know, how do we find the right balance? Between putting our own goal, individual goals, yeah, above. as in the organization's goals and the personal goals of those athletes, athletes in our care, if you like. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think it's interesting because I think from a youth perspective of a developmental model, you know, sometimes you might focus on more the development of each individual than the development of the team. And so I think it kind of just depends on what type of organization you are about and being really super clear about that. Um. You know, I, I took a job recently in Ireland in the last year coaching a pro basketball team here. And I asked uh, the organization when they were kind of interviewing me for the job, I, you know, they said, hey, or offering me the job was just what, um, you know, I asked them, what is, what is the most, what's most important to you? And they gave me three things. They wanted development of younger players. They wanted the retention and the respect of the older players or a lot of veterans. They wanted that had given a lot of years to the club, yeah. uh, but they also wanted to finish the top four, you know? And I was like, okay, those are, you know, those are three pretty strong goals, you know, developing your younger players, holding on, you know, retaining, respecting those older, but what's the most important. If I have to choose between developing the younger player or honoring, you know, the, and, and not, you know, benching this veteran player if they're struggling with their performance, or if I had to focus on being the top four, and development, like you have to know which is one, you know? And so you have to have those guiding principles. And so you may take on the principle of, you know, the team will always come before the individual. And so you will make the decision on what's the best interest of the team. And that will be your guiding principle. And you, when you have hard conversations with a, with a player, like you're not going to get to play today, it's because this is what's been the best interest of the team, you know? 
and they then you've been you've been clear from the beginning. But if you know, so I think it's it's important from that aspect to just be super clear what your priorities are. I can't tell a coach what's the best best way. I mean, the reality is you can be a transformational coach and then coach in the NBA. You can coach in premiership soccer. You can still be transformational, but still have to be, but you run a business and you still have to win games. You can still gotta make money and you gotta still gotta fill the stadium. Just as you can, just as you can be transformational on an underage, underage team, transformational is, is about whatever that your goals are, is still always seeing and respecting the person and each person. And so you can make decisions about what's best for the team, but still do it in a way that's respectful of the individual. Mm. No, definitely. And obviously within that, you know, the kind of thing that stands out for me, there is, you know, it needs to be committed to one particular goal because you'd, otherwise you're going to spread yourself too thin trying to go in. <laughs> I think the saying goes, you know, if this, you know, where, where there's, if there's a room with five rabbits in it and you go chasing after all of them, you'll probably end up with none. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of, you know, if you just focus on that one rabbit and then stick on that. So I guess, you know, just as we look to kind of maybe wind down a little bit, then what would you say your key tips are and your key, you know, steps are for maybe people to start to consider in the process of identifying initially what their leadership style should look like? Should it be, should it be, uh, should it be in a, a, in the way I looked at it is almost an organism that evolves and um, adapts and, you know, amends itself to the habit, habitat or the environment that it's in? Or should there be a bit more of a fixed approach to say, these are my principles and I'm just going to, uh, you know, implement these in a way that might suit the needs of the people within it? Or should there yeah. be considerations that we need to make? Well, I, I think you have to be authentic to yourself. You know, I, I think there's a level of authenticity, but the authenticity should never be the excuse for um, s- certain types of behaviors that would be harmful to others or yourself. You know, we're never true to ourselves if we're hurting other people. So I think we have to be really reflective on coaching. So I think everyone, wherever they are on their coaching journey, we should be taking steps back to reflect on why I coach, why I coach the way that I do, how it feels to be coached by me, and how do I define success? Those are the four big questions that Joe Ehrman asks in his book, Inside Out Coaching. Why do I coach? Why do I coach the way I do? How does it feel to be coached by me? And how do I define success? You know, So those are four great questions to kind of start to outline philosophy. I would encourage people to see culture building as more like culture creating. It's not less like building a house and more like tending to... Um, a garden in the sense that you take on this garden, there may be a lot of weeds in it. There may not be a lot of weeds. It may be pretty good, but either way, it's about cultivating the good. Even in the worst garden, there's something good there. So go up there and find ways to cultivate the good while weeding out the bad. And you're going to have to do some weeding out in most cultures. There's going to typically be maybe one or two individuals that may not fit your program. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily make the more that we can help them to self-select the better. We're clear about what we are. We're clear. we're, We're, you know, about who we're going to be as a team. You empower your team to set that. But then certain people realize, well, I don't want to be a part of the team that, you know, puts team before self, like on every decision, you know, mm. I want to be a part of a club or that's going to allow me to play a lot of, okay, then we're not for you. And that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be um, such a negative, you know, if we want to have a special culture, we can't be for everyone. Uh, well, 
we can try, we can create an opportunity for everyone to meet our standards, but not everyone's going to want to be a part of that yeah. because it is special. It's unique. It does things differently. And it's not, and we shouldn't try to be for everyone, you know, but we should try to be as inclusive as possible. So I, I think at the end of the day, it's a, it's a bit about self-reflecting uh, on those four questions can be helpful. And I would also say to start to um, gather feedback from, from players, from parents of players or from older, you know, uh, player, you know, players in your club, older players, asking them what it felt to be coached, like to be coached by me, you know, those type of questions. So just go back and going back to those four questions you had, why do I coach? Why do I coach the way I do? And the other two were, yeah. How does it feel to be coached by me? Mm -hmm. And how do I define success? You know, and how does it feel to be coached by me? Um, that's a really telling question of how you're coaching. Why do I, you know, why do I coach the way I do? And that's a question you could wrestle with a long time as well. <laughs> no, hundred percent. And the final one was it? How do I see success? Did you say? Yeah. How do I define success? Yeah, it's interesting because you know, like I said, you know, uh, in some of the coach education courses that I've run in the past, you know, one of the questions I always, one of the areas that I always kind of cover is this idea of uh, philosophy, understanding of self, if you like, and. I often ask, you know, in a similar in a similar way, um, but ask different questions. So I might I say to the players or the coaches rather, right? In an ideal world, mm -hmm. what are the characteristics you'd want to see in the players that you coach? Um, you know, and from a holistic perspective, you know, from the technical tactical stuff from the physical physical stuff, from the psychological stuff, from, this, you know, from their social skills and things like that. Just list down all the characteristics of the players that you'd, you'd, you'd want to help develop. What would they look like? And obviously everyone's going to come up with their own model of that. Right, okay. Step two. You've now thought about the type of person or the type of player you want to kind of, uh, I don't like to say produce or help develop rather. Um, what is the coaching like that? Or what does a coaching look like to achieve something like that? And they go through the list of whatever the attributes are, whatever the characters, the behaviors that they might have to, you know, for instance, if they want someone who's going to be a bit more open, a bit more uh, independent, if you like. So they're going to have to allow them to give them, you know, uh, be a bit more laid back and give them a bit more autonomy and freedom for the, to work, to work and maybe decide on making decisions and things like that. Um, then the next question I ask them is, all right, okay, well, what do your players currently look like? So they start listing all the characteristics. Oh, well, they want them to maybe be, you know, an excellent passer of the ball, excellent this, all this. They want them to be quick, strong, whatever that might be. But then they look at what they actually are at the moment. Right, brilliant. So you've understood what you're looking for, but you've also now given some context of where they're currently at. Now, hopefully, you've got to see how far apart those two things are potentially. But also, you've now told me the behaviors that you'd expect a coach to be acting out or carrying out in order to achieve those things. So now the next question is, what are you currently doing? Now, I find that I find I find that from my experience, whenever I've gone through that task with them, they often look at themselves thinking, wow, OK. I don't actually do a lot of the things I said should be happening in order to get to that point. Um, and if they don't realize it at that point, it's later down the line and saying, right, okay, off the back of maybe me observing them deliver a session as an example, right? But you said you're going to do A, B, C. 
in order to get X, Y, Z. But actually, you've not done ABC, but your players don't look like X, Y, Z. So you tell me where's where where you know where where where's the breakdown? Is it in the players and, and their ability to perform an action or achieve an outcome in the way that you potentially, as you said, define success, or is it? a failure in your part to actually carry out the behaviors you've identified that are going to help them get to that point. And for me, it's often that, you know, that, that piece there and that we, we have those conversations, we go back and forth over it and they get to the point where they're thinking, wow, okay. They become more self-aware. You know, they, then I, I, then I challenge with some of the questions I asked before around, you know, have you ever asked your players how they would like to be coached? Have you ever asked them? Have you know? Uh, you know? Have you ever un, you know maybe taken yourself out of the equation for a bit and understood that actually every single player might want a different goal, every single player might be there for a different reason. So therefore, how the approach you have with them, whilst you might want to produce a player like this or develop a player into this particular mould, that might not be in line with what they, their own individual um, goal is, if you like. Yeah. I mean, I think too, the, I would, I, li- I like that activity, uh, a similar thread, you know, it's, it's what are the qualities that we want to develop, but also on the other side is, you know, what are the behavior problems that you face as a coach? And then how are you are currently addressing those behavior problems? Well, so often the ways that we currently address those problems, those issues, for me, it was yelling, sarcasm, public criticism, um, you know, lectures, telling them even praise, offering carrots, rewards type stuff. Well, those behaviors, what do they encourage more of? Do they encourage the development of those qualities that we want? No, typically they encourage more of the same behavior, yeah. you know, you know, like if, if a player shows up late, you know, uh, is not taking personal responsibility for himself. It just creates more problems from that list typically because there's the breakdown of relationship and and um, there's not buy-in and it's always extrinsic, you know? So I, I think that's great. I, I think that, that, you know, I just think the big thing is as we as coaches start to identify the things that we need to stop doing, um, the things that are only encouraging more of those negative behaviors, those issues that we see and start to really focus on uh, the things that are going to develop the positive qualities that you talked about earlier in that, in that activity that you do with coaches, you know, and I think everyone's at a different place and a different part of their journey. And I think for all of us, we have to figure out where, uh, where we are, you know, where, and I think sometimes our players are some of the best people to help us identify those things too. Definitely. Look, JP, I'm just conscious of time as well. Um, just as we look to kind of wind down then, you know, if anyone wanted to kind of maybe touch base with you and find a little bit more about what we've been discussing so far this evening um, and even beyond some of the work that you do, is there somewhere they can get in touch with you to do that? Yeah. I mean, you can um, all over the world, you can get uh, my book calling up, uh, discovering your journey to transformational leadership. It's on Amazon and get more of my resources, uh, you know, the coaching call on over to thrive that's my website. It's got all the information. I have some online courses, some tools, uh, a lot of free resources there actually as well. And uh, you can learn more about kind of how I help other coaches um, and, you know, sign up to see if you can't, uh, you know, reserve a spot to work with me in the mentorship program the next year. So. Awesome. 
and you're also on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter at JP Nerman. Yeah, I, I hop on there from time to time at JP Nerman is N E R B U N. Awesome. JP, it's been a pleasure speaking with you this evening. I'm sure the listeners will get in touch. Um, but guys, look, get in touch with JP. Let us know how you found the episode today. Hope you really enjoyed it. Until next time, guys, take care. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.